Let's take our Bibles, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 tonight, and we're going to look at our relationship with the Bible. So lesson one, we talked about the Bible as the Word of God, but tonight we're going to look directly at our relationship with the Bible and how we are to be students of the Word of God and, and why we should be students of the Word of God. And so we'll look there tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three, look at verse sixteen. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect. Truly furnished unto all good works. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, help us tonight, Lord, as we consider these prayer requests that are before us. We ask, Lord, that you'd work in each situation, that your perfect will might be done. And Lord, as we go to prayer at the end of the service, we pray that each uh, heartfelt cry would be heard. And Lord, that you would work in each and every life. Lord, help us to accept your will and to know that you're in control. So Father, bless this prayer time, or Bible study time. Uh, Lord, may we learn much. May we be helped. And Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we learned in our first study way back in Lesson 1 several weeks ago that the Word of God or God's Word is infallible. It is unchanging. And because of those characteristics that it was written by God through these human authors and it's preserved for us, it gives it profit in our lives. And so tonight we're going to look at uh, how, how it, we relate to the Word of God and how it touches us personally God's Word is not only true, it is life-changing, and it can meet the deepest needs of our life, and so we need to learn how to rely upon the Word of God. And so let's look tonight, we don't want to spend too much time in introduction, as it often takes quite a while to get through these lessons, so look at Roman number one, God's Word can meet your needs. Number one, God's Word can meet your needs. Letter A, the Bible is profitable for your life. The Bible is profitable for our life. The Bible has the answers to guide us in every area of life. And so our key verse is 2 Timothy 3.16. We just read it. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Is profitable. It's, it's important to understand something. We can say something is profitable, but we need to know why. How does it profit us? How is it going to help us? And so the Scripture goes on to say it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness. So we'll look at those four areas in which God's words helps us. Number one, in doctrine. It teaches us what to believe. Doctrine or theology or what uh, different words that we use, they're not words to be scared of. Doctrine just means Bible truth, what we believe. Theology just means the study of God, understanding God, understanding the Lord. And so that's what doctrine is. It teaches us in the Bible that's where we get all of our doctrine. As a matter of fact, we sometimes will see a statement of faith and, uh, that's put out by a church and it'll say it is our final authority for faith and practice. And I disagree with that. I believe it's our only authority for faith and practice. To say it's our final implies that there's some other authority. But the Word of God is our authority. Now I understand we have God but God reveals his mind and his will to us through his word. And so it always lines up. It's always consistent. The spirit of God teaches us and brings uh, all things to our, uh, teaches us all things. 
But what he teaches us is the written word of God. He helps us understand the will of God through the word of God. So we are learn doctrine from the Bible. Number two, it is profitable for reproof. In other words, it shows us where we are wrong. It's not wrong, we are wrong. And so if we don't line up with what the Word of God says, we have to take a step back and and analyze our lives. The world does just the opposite. They analyze the Bible. And they say, well, that's archaic. That's that's old-fashioned, or that's that's, that's just wrong or wicked. And, And we look at it and say, no, we're the ones that are wrong. And we're the ones that are out of step with God. And so it, it gives us reproof. But it doesn't just leave us there. It gives us correction. It gives us correction. Sometimes as parents, we, we don't discipline well. We get angry with our kids and we reprove them. But we also need to correct them. We need to show them the right path to go and how to, how to, to move forward. So it tells us how to get back on track when we are wrong. It gives us the path forward. And then it's also profitable for instruction. It gives us directions for daily living. Once we're on the right track, we need to know how to keep moving forward and what's the next step, how to live a godly life. So every one of these are vital for the Christian. We are to be, if I can put it this way, we are to be four-dimensional. Four-dimensional. We need to have doctrine. We need to have reproof. We need correction. And we need instruction. And if we are missing one of those things in our lives, we are not going to be well-rounded Christians. Uh, there are some that all they ever do is reprove, 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 reprove. I, I've been to churches like that where they just hammer on sin all the time, but they never talk about the forgiveness of sin. They never talk about restoration and moving forward and, and, and God restoring a life and making it right. So it's important that we have a well-rounded Christianity and that we grow in the Word of God. And so the Bible is profitable for your life. Letter B, the Bible nourishes your spiritual growth. The Bible uses the illustration in 1 Peter chapter 2 as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. As a baby desires milk, we are like babes to desire the milk of the word. That's where we start. And eventually we're going to want the meat. We're going to have to grow and we're going to take on more. We're, we're watching that right before our eyes with Theo. He, that boy eats all the time. And he's growing as a result. And he, but right now it's just milk. He's not started on anything else. But eventually, I, I see him looking at my, my turkey dinner the other day. He's looking at it and he wants it. But not yet. He's got to have some teeth first. But we start with milk. And it's important as, as a baby, if a baby doesn't get milk, they won't grow. I remember when my nephew Cole was very little and, and the milk just wasn't, rich enough for him and he just wasn't growing I think that's right mama it was just kind of water and he just was struggling and falling behind and everybody was wondering why and we found out that he wasn't getting the milk like he needed so we need the nourishment of our bodies and the bible makes that illustration in first peter 2 chapter 2 so we need to hunger for god's word just as we do hunger for food physically lasting growth in a christian's life only comes to the transforming power of god's word and so how Can we make God's Word a part of our regular routines in our life? Roman numeral 2, we must, or God's Word should be in our routines. Make it a part of your life. The Bible calls it, and I'll just quote this real quickly, but we'll use the verse later, the engrafted Word. It's part of our life. You think about the vines that that are grafted together. 
Uh, and you can do that with vines. You, you slice a little bit and you put another vine there and you can graft them together and eventually it'll grow and strengthen. And it becomes a part of the vine. And the branches will become part of that vine. Well, the Bible calls that the Word of God is to be engrafted in our lives. And so it, it becomes a part of us. For the Word of God to impact you personally, you must encounter it regularly. In other words, it must be a part of your daily living. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, physically speaking, you are what you eat? Well, it's true spiritually as well. If you feast upon the Word of God, you'll become more like Christ. But if you feast on the things of this world, you become more like the world. And so what we are putting in is what we are getting out. So there are several ways that God instructs us to include God's Word as part of our lives. Letter A, we need to read it daily. Read it daily. Even as we need physical nourishment daily, so we should be daily taking in the nourishment of God's Word. Some of you might say, well, I, I, I skip food every, every couple days. I don't eat. I don't believe you. I, I, we look around the room, and it doesn't look like any of us are suffering. And we eat pretty regularly, and we might miss a meal here and there, but we know that we can't go too long without food. And the same it is as it is with the Word of God. Job chapter 23, verse 12 says this, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job says the word of God is more important than food to me. And so that is, and that's what, think about, think about this. Physical food gives us life. Spiritual food gives us eternal life. What is it that's more important? It's drawing closer to the Lord. And so here's some things that we can do to help us have that daily Bible reading Number one, set a time and place. Make an appointment. I don't know about you, but uh, everything we do around here is an appointment. I, have, I don't have my phone here, but on my phone I have six different calendars. Six different calendars. I have a, an academy calendar. And so I can shut off other calendars and just see what the school's doing. So I have academy, I have a church calendar. The church calendar has something nearly every day of the year on it. Whether it's a Sunday school class activity, whatever it might be, I have a personal calendar. That personal calendar, uh, sometimes it's things I put on there, maybe a doctor's appointment, whatever. Or sometimes even Cindy, the secretary here, she'll put something on my personal calendar so I don't forget it. She has access to all my calendars, and uh, she'll put it on there. Uh, we, we, have, uh, the Canadian, we have the holidays calendar that's automatically on there. And just on and on, we have all these different calendars that govern our lives and just so regimented. Each day, we never have to get up in the morning and say, what am I going to do today? And wring our hands. We have a calendar and we have a list and here's what has to get done. We need to make sure that we take the time to schedule our Bible reading. Because in all the busyness of life, we will lay it aside. So make sure it's important to you to plan for it. And then follow a Bible reading plan. You know, uh, unless you're disciplined, I, I struggle with a Bible reading plan. I'll just be honest with you. I'm not one to take a read through the Bible in a year and read it because I feel like I'm just racing through the Bible and I don't want to do that. But I will take a book of the Bible and I'll read it over and over and over and over. And it's just like wringing a towel to get as much as I can out of it. And then I'll go to another one and I'll read and read and read. But have a plan when you're going to read your Bible. Ask God to guide you before you read. The Word is a light into my path and a lamp into my feet. If it's going to guide us and direct us, we, and we want the Holy Spirit of God to guide us and teach us and bring light to the Word of God. Ask questions about what you read. So you're not just reading it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study it to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not be ashamed. If you don't understand something, so many people, I've heard so many people say, Well, I read the Bible, but I don't understand it. 
Well, stop and ask questions. Study it. Look up a commentary. Try to find out what it's saying and understand it. Let number five, keep a journal or a notebook to record verses and passages that the Holy Spirit applies to your life. You've probably heard me say uh, several times when I preach that this is a verse I tripped over this week. That's what I like to call it. If I'm reading along and just something grabs me, I'm not sure what it is all the time. But I feel like I just tripped over that verse and i got to go back and have a look at it and read it and read it and read it until the Holy Spirit gives me understanding. So read it daily. Letter B, hear it consistently. Romans 10, 17. Anybody know what that says? I'm trying what Brother Smith did, asking questions. Didn't work for him either, it doesn't look like. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. It's important that we hear the Word of God. And so make sure that we're going to hear preaching and teaching of God's Word regularly. And Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. And here's why, but exhorting one another. And how do we exhort one another? Exhort means to cheer, to lift up, to help. And we do that through the Word of God. We encourage people with the Word of God. And so, and it says, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So the closer we get to the return of the Lord, we need to be faithful hearing the Word of God. More preaching is what we need. I was thankful today. It was wonderful to turn on the uh, Southwide Baptist Fellowship, and I was working on some stuff, and I was doing the music schedules for the month of November, putting all the music in there, and and uh, getting ready for November, and then December, I sent out an email asking for more music for December, and we try to be a couple months ahead. And while I'm doing that, I'm listening to Calvin Allen preach, and then I backed up, and there was another preacher before him, and I listened to Dave Young preach, and a great message on humility, and and uh, it just it just helped me, and I just found myself wanting to, to to pray a little bit and deal with some of the things I was hearing, and so hear the word of God consistently. It's important. So read it daily. Letter B, hear it consistently. Letter C meditate on it continually. This is why, honestly, I struggle with the read the Bible through the year. Now, if that's been your habit, I'm not against it. Maybe you are a good uh, have a good understanding of the Bible. You've read it a few times, and so you can read it through quickly, and it's helped you to do that. But the Bible says we're to meditate on the Word of God. And so uh, before, uh, re- refuse to simply just let it pass you by, going in one ear and out the other. Uh, make sure you read it for understanding. Joshua 1, 1 verse 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And so we're to meditate on the word of God. Here's, here's the thing. I, I don't, I, I'm struggling to think in my mind where I would find in the Bible where it says we are to read the Bible. It says we are to study it, we're to meditate upon it. Now that implies reading. You have to read it in order to study it or meditate on it. But those words are a slower approach, making sure that we're getting into the deeper things of the Word of God and understanding what we're reading. You remember the Ethiopian eunuch as Philip pulled up beside him in his chariot and he says, do you understand what you read? As He says, how can I? And he was striving and he was trying to. So it's important not only that he read the word of God, but that he heard the word of God from Philip so that he might have understanding. Psalms chapter 1 verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. 
one of the disciplines of meditation is to memorize Scripture. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. And so we are to have the word of God in our heart, not just in a book, not just on paper and pen. It's wonderful to have a Bible that we can read. A lot of people don't have that blessing. But it's even better to memorize the Scripture. I started challenging Calvin. I said, you know, we, you've been doing these exhortations in church, and I, I've enjoyed them. They're good. Just giving us a verse and cheering us on with it a little bit. I said, why don't, why don't you try to memorize that verse each week? Because I said, it'll mean more to you once you have it in your heart. And you memorize just that little verse and, and spout it out. I said, it just seems to have more impact and more power when it comes from our hearts. And so memorize the Word of God. Letter D, study it regularly. So let me recap. Read it, hear it, meditate on it, and then we're to study it as well. In addition to your Bible reading, church attendance and Bible memory, there's, kind of, there's times in our lives where we come across areas of confusion. We wonder, what do we do next? That's when deep, intense Bible study becomes important. That we take a subject and we go through the Bible and find out what God's mind is on the matter. So make sure you're a student of the Word of God. You may not dig in deeper every day like you normally would in just your Bible reading, but there's times where we have questions in life and we need to know the answers why. We can find that in the Word of God, but you must study. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Here's, here's what I find a lot of times. We will hear somebody say something, some outrageous claim, and they'll attribute it to God or the Bible, and you can say to them, where do you find that in the Scripture? Well, I just believe that God. Why do you believe that? Can you find that in the Bible? Can you back it up with Scripture? When I was in Bible college, our, our very first class in, in, that we had in any theology class was called Theology Proper. And I remember being in that class with Dr. James Sewell. And he would, he would always start the class with a question. And he'd say, which attribute of God is most important? He'd just say something like that. Which attribute of God is most important? And somebody might say love, because without love, you wouldn't have mercy or grace or anything else. And somebody else might say something else. But his answer would always, uh, let, me, let me say, if you did not give a, a scripture reference, you were not allowed to answer. And we learned it very quickly because you'd answer and he'd say book, chapter, verse. And if you couldn't give a book, chapter, verse, you were to sit down because you had to answer everything according to the Word of God. But you have to be able to study and answer those things. And once we have those answers from God's Word, it helps us. Letter E, we are to apply it faithfully. You all know the scripture in James chapter 1, but be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Here's the thing. You can read it, you can hear it, you can meditate on it, you can even study it, but if you're not applying it in your life and obedient to the Word of God, it's had none effect upon you. There's a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible, but understand this, we are not studying, listen, we are not studying the Bible to know the Bible. We are studying the Bible to know God. Did you catch that? We are studying the Bible to know God. And when we know Him, to know him is to love him. And to love him, we will keep his commandments, the Bible says. And so it's a matter of personal growth. Now, I, I think it's important that you do know the Bible. It, it's wonderful to be able to open up a scripture and know where to go. And when you need help in the time of need, to turn to those passages maybe in the Psalms or something, when you're sorrowing or you're struggling. 
But that's not the primary reason. The primary reason is to know God. Because to know Him is to have life eternal. And so apply it faithfully. We need to obey it. The Bible says the Lord Jesus Christ talked about the wise men and the foolish men. You remember that story? We sing the song. The wise men build his house upon the rock. And he said this, The wise man is likened unto the man who heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. It's not just about hearing. It's about doing. It's about obeying. And so apply the word of God in your life. And then Roman number three tonight, God's word will transform your life. If you start taking these steps of reading and growing and meditating and studying the Word of God, it'll begin to transform your life. So as you grow in grace and your knowledge and application of God's Word, you'll begin to change. Romans chapter 12 gives us a goal in our life. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So how do we renew our minds? God says, I want you to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your minds. But how are our minds renewed? Philippians chapter 2 tells us, right? Or Philippians chapter 4, sorry. If anything be right or just or pure, we're to think on these things. It's a matter of thinking on the things that God has given us in the Word of God. So God's plan for transformation as Christians is that it comes from the inside out. It starts with our minds. And as our minds are renewed by the truths of the Word of God... Those truths would then impact our actions and change our lives. Here's the thing. From the moment you were born and began to learn, your life was transformed nearly every day at a rapid pace. They say that a child learns more by the time he's five years old than he'll learn the rest of his life. That's hard to to believe when you think about all the scientific stuff out there and all the things they can learn from books. But if you think about it, they learn how to walk and to talk, and, and the human language is, is thousands and thousands of words, and the alphabet, and numbers, and math, and all these things that you learn by the time you're five just because of your body. And then from there on, you begin book knowledge, and your, your life transforms even more. Think, think about those things that you learned in school, and the light just went on, and you went, wow. It's a life-changing thing. Knowledge can be a life-changing thing. But the greatest life-changing thing is the knowledge of God's Word. It transforms us. And so we are to stay in the Word of God. James 1.21 says this, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your souls. The implication there is the engrafted Word becomes a part of your life. And we begin to talk like Christians and act like Christians. I was uh, hearing somebody the other day, and he said uh, that he had Thanksgiving. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and he said he had Thanksgiving dinner with his family. And he says, I'm the only Christian in my family. And he says, it's just become natural in my life that somebody will they'll, they'll share a blessing. And he said, we were going around the, they were going around the table, and they were saying things to be thankful for. And he says, here I am, the pastor. And he says, they're saying, well, I'm thankful for this, or I'm thankful for that. And he says, somebody said they were thankful for something, and I went, oh, praise the Lord. And they all stared at me and got angry. And he says, but he says, it's just become so engrafted in my life that even in a room full of people that didn't want to hear a thing about God, it just, that's just natural for me now. You see, the natural man has been put away and the spiritual man has been put on because of the engrafted word changing our lives. So there are many ways that God's word can transform our lives, so I'm going to give you three. Letter A, 
Understanding the Bible increases your knowledge of God. Again, remember, our primary reason for studying the Bible is not for knowledge of the Bible, but for knowledge of God. Now, it's wonderful to know the Bible. I'm not discounting that at all. But we are here to get to know God, to draw closer to Him. The Bible says if we draw close to Him, He'll draw close to us, James chapter uh, 4. And so understanding the Bible increases your knowledge of God. It's not a textbook. We read it because of our relationship with the Lord. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory now and forever. Amen. You know, we are to study to show ourselves approved unto who? God. Not to impress anybody with our Bible knowledge. Sometimes we'll go to, uh, we'll go to a, uh, a Christian school convention, a faith way or something, and they have a, they'll always have us say, well, we're going to study this year. We want your students to study 1 Peter chapter 2. And then they'll have a, a, a quiz kind of thing. They'll have three kids from Bethel Academy and three from Heritage Academy and three from Faithway. And they'll say, we're going to ask you questions on 1 Peter chapter 2 and the first one that rings in. You know, and they, it's kind of a game and they, they play. And they, but they're trying to test their Bible knowledge. We don't learn the Bible to impress anybody except God. It's a sincere uh, action in our life to say, God, I want to know you more. I want to draw closer to you. I want to have a better relationship with you. So understanding the Bible increases your knowledge of who God is. Letter B, obeying the Bible produces Christ-like maturity. Obeying the Bible produces Christ-like maturity. When you become a Christian, you are born again into the family of God. From that point, though, God desires for you to be on a path of spiritual maturity, becoming more like Jesus. Romans 8, verse 29 that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. He wants us to be more like Jesus. So as you let the Holy Spirit use God's Word to transform your life, you become more and more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it this way, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So as you look in the Word of God and you learn more about God and you see Him, you are eventually changed. It's just like looking into a glass or to a mirror. We change things. How many of you woke up this morning looking like you do right now? Anybody? No, you combed your hair, you changed some things. I'll be honest, I wake up every morning looking just like this. Because there's nothing I can do to fix it. It's just the way it is. I, I don't have to comb my hair. I, don't, I just wake up, I look like this. Some of you ladies are jealous, I understand. You spend hours in front of a mirror. But uh, here's the thing, I can look at the mirror at the end of the day and just be as scared as I am at the beginning of the day. But the purpose of looking in a mirror is that we make those changes, right? Comb the hair, brush the teeth, fix up things, paint the barn if the barn needs painting, whatever you need to do. But as we look into the Word of God, we make changes as well. And it brings us into maturity because we see Christ and we want to be more like Him. Letter C, continued use of the Bible produces spiritual discernment. So we have to stop and think every once in a while, now what do I do next? And you go, well, what's the Bible say? And it gives us discernment. It helps us see right from wrong. It helps us to know the path to take. So as we continue to read, study, meditate, and obey God's Word, your ability to apply it to specific life situations and discern right from wrong in sensitive areas of your life will develop. Think, think about this. When you first got saved, 
There might have been some things going on in your life that you thought, well, this is no big deal. Maybe certain things you watched on TV, certain things you listened to, certain things you did, certain places you went. But now, 10 years, 15, 20, 25 years later, you go, I have no desire to do those things. They just, they just don't seem right. They don't, they don't lead me into holiness. They don't help me. I've lost my taste for them or desire. That's maturity. As you begin to grow in God's Word, you begin to put away those things. And I'm not saying because some preacher got up and said, hey, this is wrong and you need to stop it. That's, that's just legalism. But spiritual growth comes when we read the Word of God or we hear the preaching of God's Word and the Spirit of God says, those things no longer sit right with me. They're distasteful and they don't bring me closer to Christ. Hebrews 5.13 says this, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of, of, of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So as we grow, we go from milk to meat, the, the weightier things of the, the word of God. And as we exercise those things, we begin to discern what's good and bad. Here's the thing. Those with good discernment, they don't always see what's happening right here as, uh, as uh, the same way other people do. They'll, they'll see what's going on here, and, and we can say, well, I, I don't know, it doesn't seem so bad. And, and you can look at it and say, no, it doesn't seem so bad. But people with good discernment say, but where is that headed? And they look down the road and they say, I don't like the direction that's going. And it may not be something that's terrible for my life right now, but I sure don't like the way it's headed. And so I'm not going to attach myself to that. I'm not going to get involved in that right now. I'm just going to stay clear of that. I don't want to be a part of it. I think, I think if there's a lot of people that would say, boy, I wish, I wish 15 years ago I never got on the internet. You say, well, it's just information. Well, there's a lot of wicked stuff there, though. I wish I'd never got on Facebook. Because look where it is now, all the nonsense on there. And all the things just seem to creep in and, and become a slippery slope in our lives. So I'd be careful. So always remember the goal of reading and studying and memorizing God's Word is not merely knowledge, it is transformation. As you read the Word of God, think about this. What is this saying to me and how is it changing my life? And you say, well, I, I don't, I don't, I'm reading the genealogies. I'm just reading these genealogies and I'm just not getting anything from it. You'd be amazed what you find in there if you read them carefully. You, you'll, you'll find that in the middle of the genealogies, Jabez prayed, Lord, enlarge my coasts. And he, he prayed a prayer to God that was so sincere about, God, I want to do more for you. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. Little things you'll read in the genealogies about all the so-and-so begat so-and-so, and then he lived, and then so-and-so begat so-and-so, then he lived so many years. But then the Bible says, then Enoch walked with God. He didn't just live. And he was not, for God took him. God raptured him or took him home or translated him in some way. We don't know all the details, but his life was different. It meant something for God. Right there in the genealogies, we, we find so boring, and yet Enoch was a man who walked with God, and God took him home. Incredible. Just little things like that, but we have to study and, and meditate. It is about transforming our lives a growing Christian will always be able to point to recent transformation in life that has come about by the Word of God. Let me ask you, when was the last time you said, 
that stuck with me or that changed me or that helped me. Maybe it was Brother Smith preaching Sunday night. Maybe it was something else. You know, uh, I had, it's funny. I had somebody say to me, and I hope Brother Smith doesn't listen, but somebody said to me, I just, it just, he just wasn't my cup of tea. And that's fine. Somebody else said to me, that helped me tremendously. I, I just needed to hear some of those things about thankfulness and hearing what his daughter went through and, and dying of cystic fibrosis and yet finding things to be thankful and she found things to be thankful. He says, that helped me like you wouldn't believe, Pastor. And so we can, we can look at things differently and think about, think about this. Just because maybe you're not getting some doesn't mean somebody else isn't. And so we need to always look to the Word of God and say, what is it here that's helping me? Sometimes a preacher has a different style. Sometimes a passage of Scripture isn't jumping. Look, David and Goliath is way more exciting than the genealogies, am I right? Way more exciting. Little David running up there and shouting for the battle. But there's always something you can get. If you truly seek God and meditate on His Word, it's there to help us and it's there to transform us. Let's have a word of prayer, then we'll go to our prayer tonight. I encourage you to take some time and pray with one another. And it's about 10 to 8. If you do leave, be careful. At about 5 after 8, the buses load up and they're going out. So just a reminder tonight that uh, I try to remind you once in a while it is dark out now. And uh, time changes in a couple weeks, it'll be even darker. And so we ought to make sure we're careful around the kids. Let's pray. Father, Bless our prayer time. We pray that you would hear our cries tonight. We love you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.